You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 96. Oi! Don't be scared. All of this is new to you and new can be scary. When people need help, I never refuse. There's this moment when you're sure you're about to die, and then you're born. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. Uh, today, we're discussing the latest episode called Rosa. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Don. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Uh, before we get started, folks, I just want to do our usual reminder to please like The Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. And to like this episode uh, on that page, if you can, uh, retweet, retweet the, our tweets on Twitter, uh, uh, on the account at SQPN, to leave comments, write reviews of the podcast. Uh, all those things help us to, uh, to uh, engage with more people. All the social media algorithms and all that sort of stuff relies on uh, your interaction with our uh, stuff on social media and in the uh, various podcast stores, directories, and that sort of thing. Uh, so if you can do that, that helps us reach a bigger audience. Uh, remember to su subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Tune in your favorite podcast app and on YouTube where you can hit the bell uh, after you subscribe to make sure you get notifications. And like I said, please share the podcast with your friends, uh, your, your, especially the new folks who are just coming to Doctor Who with a new doctor. Uh, new companions, a new showrunner. Uh, there'll be new people out there uh, interested in learning more about Doctor Who and the, and the background and all the sorts of things that we kind of specialize in. So please share the podcast with them. Help us grow our community of listeners uh, and reach more folks. All right, that said, let's let's get into this episode. Uh, uh, Rosa uh, is the third episode of the season. Am I, yeah, third episode. <laughs> I had to stop for a second there, just double check, make sure my math is right. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And so quick recap. So while attempting to get back to 2018 Sheffield, the TARDIS takes the doctor and friends to Montgomery, Alabama in 1955, where they meet uh, Rosa Parks, the uh, civil rights icon. Um, and they also meet another time traveler who's trying to change the future by preventing Rosa's famous act of civil disobedience that launched the U.S. civil rights movement. Uh, so that's that's the episode in a nutshell. Now, obviously, there's the elephant in the room that uh, we, you know, that th there's the, sort of the foundation of this episode, which is the topic of uh, racism. Uh, that's that's really what this is about, and uh, you know the, what they're dealing with, and um, specifically uh, racism at a very particular point in time in uh, in U.S. history. And mm -hmm. uh, and oh, first, I just want to start by saying that Chris Chibnall did take one of our pieces of advice uh, when he, when we gave our advice, we asked him to uh, go to someplace other than Great Britain in the past, present or future. And <laughs> certainly Montgomery, Alabama in 1955 is a different, yep. different from a lot of places that we've seen on Dr. Who in recent years. And I really do like that they did. And I think um, just from a, uh, well, we'll, we'll get into the production and design sort of stuff, but I think that that part was, uh, I was, uh, glad of um one thing that i uh, that i want to mention uh you know off the top that we could begin our discussion of of this uh, uh and we'll talk about we'll talk about the racism issue first and then we'll get into the the other you know artistic um uh, assessments and, the, and uh, that sort of stuff uh, a second but um they go head on on the issue they don't use a an allegory they don't have you know an oppressed alien species substituting for you know a real human minority and you know allegorically treating with racism but they really they go right down to the actual issue historically uh with actual historical people in the actual historical circumstances um i, I, th I thought that was kind of interesting because that that almost seemed like going back to early Doctor Who, like back the William Hartnell era yes. where they did the historicals, where they actually did episodes from a historical point. And, and they did things that were actual historical figures, not just like, you know, we watched the Aztecs, which right. were just generic Aztecs, so to speak, but actually they, they also figures. did the, Ro the Romans where we met Nero and so forth. Right, right, right. Yeah. And and so that th those aspects, uh, I was really actually happy to see that, that it sort of goes back to the original remit for Doctor Who, which is to present history. Um, 
I, 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 and ap- apropos of that, even though we're still kind of addressing some of the artistic aspects of this, yeah. they they this episode, even though it involved a time traveler, which I guess the first one to really do that, where you went into a historical period and encountered a meddling time traveler, was the one with the meddling monk. Mm-hmm. But in those historicals, a frequent theme was how do we let history play out as it should, or right. May, right. might there be something interfering? And right. that, and that leads actually to that very. Uh, amazing final scene on the bus. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Right. So the the story starts with, uh, for some reason, they, I, I'm not sure why they chose to do this, but uh, with oh, it's, 1943. It's a, re- it's a real historical incident. Uh, Rosa yep. Parks in 1943 had an encounter uh, with James Blake that basically was that same encounter. She got on the front entrance of the bus, paid to ride, and was told by him to get on the back entrance. He closed the door on her. And she vowed she would never ride on another bus with him again. And they didn't bring out that aspect of it. But then in 1955, when she when she had the famous bus ride where she refused to give up her seat, she hadn't realized he was the driver. And that's why she was on the bus with him again. Mm. Okay, so it. it, it One of the things I I did try to to go look up the, the the actual historical events, they stayed pretty faithful to those historical events yeah. uh the, yeah. the even the things that were said uh, the in fact the, the 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 words at the very end of the the episode uh between Where she her, says you may do that yeah. when he says he's going to have her arrested right all of that is historical which I, I appreciate even the buses were the same uh the it was you can actually look up the actual bus from the Montgomery mm-hmm. uh, bus system and they have the bus um I wasn't sure whether the buses actually had signs like they did on it but there certainly were a uh, white section and colored section and I, I, th- I think that i think that part is accurate as well as they had those little placards they could move as needed okay because okay. I, I remember and they, i mean i don't think they were the same exact type you know, style but they were the same basic idea of there were these signs because I, I, I seem to recall seeing a picture of okay. inside one of those buses at one point and there were those little signs kind of spaced throughout so, Fortunately, none of us have seen anything like that in real life in our own lifetimes. No, yes. thanks be to God. Yes. Um, all right. So, just, and just, and, and um, just to kind of to set the the, the frame narrative of this, uh, Rose, as they kind of mentioned in the episode, but Rose's arrest led to a boycott of the bus system. Martin Luther King was a leader of that boycott, as we saw him in the episode. Ninety nine percent of African Americans in Montgomery boycotted the buses. Which, despite uh, that there was violence and firebombings of churches and homes in response, uh, and in November 1956, which is a really quick turnaround for something like the a U.S. Supreme Court decision, uh, they ruled that segregated busing uh, is illegal. Uh, and that's the, the, the acknowledged launch of the U.S. civil rights movement. So people sort of look mm-hmm. at that as the impetus to get things going. So, one, of, one of several Right. Things that help get it going. I mean, they, they, yeah. they mentioned, for example, the murder of Emmett Till in this right. episode, which was another such event. Yes. And in fact, also, that sort of precipitated this in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Also, we'd already had the integration of the armed forces in 1948. Uh, yep. You know, after after World War Two, it was felt, how can we we had all these soldiers who fought bravely for the U.S. who were of African descent, African-American descent. We can't have this separation going on mm-hmm. in the military. So that had already been integrated. And now that was rolling out into civilian society as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I guess they see this as, as so it's often listed well, as a symbolic. So, so many of these so many of these big movements. Yeah, they're, they're, they develop over time. But there's always some point that gets that is hits popular imagination. It's like the shot that, heard that, around the world at Concord and Lexington. Exactly. The American. Exactly. There's there's some there's some point that is is this is if if it's not the the literal start of the movement, it is very much the spiritual start of the movement. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think I think they do justice to Rosa Parks in this uh, Mm -hmm. as as a figure. I think she comes across as very much a a noble uh, person in this. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, let's get right to the nitty gritty of it. What did you think of of how they dealt with uh, racism in this episode? Uh, Jimmy, uh, let's go to you first. I was very disappointed 
Um, obviously, they made the point that racism is bad. They made that very effectively. And I'll, I'll talk more about that in the when we start discussing the show from an artistic point of view. Artistically, I thought the show had a lot going for it. But um, one point that I was disappointed at regarding its dis- treatment of the social issue and uh, and I think it's an artistic flaw, too, although I'm only going to talk about it here, is I thought um, that they did the racism aspect of the show in a way that I found disappointing. They showed the brutality of racism, and I thought that was good and that was effective. Um, and they showed it in an unalloyed way. So every single person that we meet in this episode who is a guest actor and is not black is a racist. Every single one of them, every encounter they have, whether it's the bus driver in 1943 and 1955, whether it's the uh, police officer who barges into the hotel room, whether it's the waitress uh, who kicks him out of the restaurant, whether it's the old man on the street with his wife that Ryan is trying to get to ride the bus, even even the guy from the future who's using Captain Jack River song technology that's apparently <laughs> from the 41st century. Like, why would anyone 2000 years from now care what skin color you're in? what what your skin color is even you know when you're off interacting with completely different species anything like that's going to fade into the background you're not going to care about skin color any more than you are eye color um there might be alienism but there's not going there won't be racism like that not not human racism and even the guy from the future is a, is an out and out racist so um I, what i had been hoping for was that they would give us a sensitive portrait not only of the brutality of racism, but also of the human goodness that exists in people of all kinds, including white people in the South who hated racism and did their best to ameliorate mm-hmm. it, even though they weren't the socially dominant group at the time. I mean, this is something I feel personally about. I'm from the South. There is still racism there. I have met racists. I have had racists say, abominable things in my presence that I just I could not believe someone would say something like this. It was jaw dropping to me. But in the same way, I also know lots of people in the South who aren't racists, including members of my own family who were alive at that time. There were a lot of white people who they may not have liked the social situation and they did what they could to help people who were black. Um, but, uh, they were, they were engaged in this issue as well. And what I'd hoped for was a much more nuanced portrait of the situation that wasn't as ham fisted as the one they gave us. Now you can say they only have 45 minutes to do this or 50 minutes or whatever it is. Fine. But if it's, if if that's not enough time, then make this a two-parter because this is a very important issue and you need to take the time to do it right. And if 50 minutes isn't enough time to do it right, then take more time. Do an extra long episode or do a two-parter. But having every single encounter with someone who is a guest actor and is not black being a vicious racist is uh, un- is unrealistic and it's an artistic flaw and I was disappointed by that. I I I I I agree with that largely. Um, I think, given how sensitive of an issue this is right now, uh, especially in our country, um, that being more nuanced about it would have been better. In the sense of showing, you know, that there are that not everyone was that it's not simply a division along skin color lines. That there were mm-hmm. people who saw that this was an injustice. Who just weren't time travelers from the future, you know? Uh, there's, certainly, there's... certainly Catholics. Uh, just to point out uh, a little yeah. historical fact, Catholics were um, uh, you know, uh, white Catholics, especially, or not just especially, but white Catholics included, were mm-hmm. on the front lines of civil rights in the South. Uh, many Catholic priests and bishops marched yeah. next to Dr. King and others. Yeah, there, uh, there are, there are the famous Martins. photographs you can go look at today. You can go find them online where there's a, there's Catholic priests standing right on either side of, of 
Dr. King as yeah, they're yeah. marching, I think it was the Selma March. Yes. And in fact, in fact, Catholics were commonly targeted by the same racist groups like the Ku Klux Klan. They hated Catholics yeah. and blacks and Jews. Right. And so among the strongest groups uh, in favor of civil rights were also Catholics and Jews, Jewish groups uh, yeah. uh, as well. But, as a just kind of a point of comparison, someone I, I forget who this was. It may have been John Gardner, but someone was commenting about the book The Grapes of Wrath and what kept mm -hmm. it from being the great American novel. The Grapes of Wrath, in case you're not aware, is a book. It's set in the Depression era. It's about a family from Oklahoma called the Jode family and the hardships that they're facing as a result of the Dust Bowl and the Depression. And um, and the Jode family in that novel. They're the good guys, and they are a complex good. They, as a family, they're, they're portrayed in a subtle, psychologically sophisticated way. They're not just cookie-cutter goody two-shoes. They have mm -hmm. real psychological depth and complexity. And the comment was what keeps the, the, uh, the Grapes of Wrath from being the great American novel is the fact that it gives us a complex portrait of the good guys against wooden two-dimensional bad guys, that it doesn't right. show a complex evil. The the forces that the Jodes are up against are just uniformly bad kind of cardboard cutouts. And I think that the failure of the Grapes of Wrath on that level artistically is somewhat mirrored in this episode um, because we should see more complexity, um, especially in terms of the guest characters we're meeting. Okay, uh, Father Corey, uh, your take on this uh, on, the, on the racism aspect of this episode, right? So, uh, you know, and I'm I'm much more uh, positive, I would say, than than Jimmy is uh, on this episode. Now, not not knowing a lot of people, uh, frankly, I think I could honestly say I don't know anybody who lived in Alabama or Mississippi at this time. I've known people since you know who are you know younger who have grown up you know in, in their you know, later, you know, after, after the fifties. Um, so I don't know what, what the, the background is like. I could just go by what I've seen uh, through history books, through pictures and so on. And I, I, I agree with his criticism. I agree, Jimmy, I agree hundred percent with your criticism on uh, how the whites are portrayed in this, this episode, because we know there were people at the time who were supporting the nascent civil rights movement. We know that that's, that's a historical fact. We didn't see that at all. That being said, my biggest concern, and I, I know this is something I addressed uh, with the, the Chris Ch uh, Chibnall episode, I think it was, or an earlier episode of the podcast. Uh, I was afraid that this was going to be an anti-American diatribe for current day. And I will say that is my, my fault, my misjudgment, my mistake. Uh, this wasn't in my opinion. Um, and I think what redeemed it especially uh, is that, that, that quote, that quote from, from Yaz where Yaz is talking to Ryan behind the dumpster there and says, basically they, they admitted that racism isn't just an American thing. It exists in Britain as well. And then frankly, I would argue it exists throughout the world. It, it is unfortunately, it is an unfortunate aspect. You, you don't have humanity. to argue that. Yeah. You don't have to argue that. Yeah. <laughs> that. That's pretty clear. That's a, that's an unfortunate aspect of our human nature, but things are better. You know, the United yeah. States and Britain today are not the United States and Britain in 1955 and before, you yeah. know, we, we still things have, have gotten better. We, there are still things that need to be fixed, but it's yeah. not as bad as, as it once was. Exactly. And they, and and they I, said that. I love the, I love the exact quote from her. You know, she talks about how we have elected a black president and who mm -hmm. knows where they'll be in 50 years later. That's proper change. You know, so I, you know, I, I, I again, I, and I admit this is my fault. This was my maybe being oversensitive to some of the trends within TV today. And so, you right. know, I, I applaud them. I, I think, you know, again, not not knowing all the d dynamics of what life was like in Birmingham, Alabama in 1955. But for I applaud them for this episode because I, I, I think they they basically I misjudged them. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. yeah apart from, for my part, apart from the, the 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 sort of flat characterization of white people in this episode. Um, that if you're not a time traveler from the future, you must have been a racist. 
If you were no, no. E- even if you are a time traveler from the future, well, you may right, be a racist. Right, yeah. that's right. Cresco was. If you're not a uh, an actual uh, 21st century TARDIS member, TARDIS member. You're right. Um, apart from that, I I felt like they had a it's a pretty straightforward uh, examination of the ills of as you said, Jimmy, of the ills of racism of. How remember? Like, so it was sort of a remember. This was pretty bad. Like, don't let's let's not forget how bad this was. This was kind of what what oh, yeah. they were saying. Um, and 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 I'm and I appreciate them handling it the way they did. There was they handled it with sensitivity, um, and and very without. Uh, uh, they didn't need to over dramatize. Uh, to 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 kind of to to yeah to make, over over. I guess that's that's enough to say over dramatize it. Um, I do appreciate that this was a back sort of back to the first Doctor historicals. I like that idea that uh, that they they decided to do. I just think of like if 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 this were done for the the tenth Doctor or eleventh Doctor, the crazy bombastic stuff that that they would have written for the Doctor to be doing in this in this yeah. episode. This was handled uh fairly calmly and mm-hmm. straightforwardly and i appreciate that one one question comes up and maybe our british listeners can can tell us how much do you actually learn about rosa parks in school i was i kind of surprised me that they that they portrayed yaz and uh ryan have having learned about rosa parks to the point where uh yaz was saying oh. like the schools were like their school had different the different levels got names and one of them was named for rosa parks yeah. so it's kind of well, cur- that- i'm kind of curious yeah. Well, not just that, but, you know, uh, both Rosa Parks and Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King to the point where when Ryan meets him, he he's starstruck. He's absolutely, you know, like this, right. this is like a dream come true yeah. to well, meet him. MLK, he, I can be- I can buy because he's a much bigger figure. But Ro- uh, it's Rosa Parks was uh, a little surprising. You know, and I guess we're sort of transitioning now into the more artistic aspects of the episode. So we may want to back up and talk about it from the beginning. But yeah. just in terms of Martin Luther King showing up, I really liked the fact that he showed up and I liked the way they handled him because mm-hmm. historically, I mean, he's more famous than Rosa Parks. More people know the name Martin Luther King than they do Rosa Parks. Yeah. Um, they're both extremely important figures historically, but he's the one that's the more famous and he didn't get top billing here. Right. He just shows up. He's like a bonus to get to meet him. Well, and, and, and they didn't and make course, him the focus of the episode. And what I really like is the fact Ryan was the one who got to meet him, not Doctor, not the Doctor, and not the whole TARDIS crew. Yeah. Right. The Doctor didn't even get to meet him. It's just Ryan who did. And and I like that thing of a companion having a historical encounter with someone you know famous from history that the Doctor isn't even a part of. Right. And and I, as far as I recall, uh, outside of, of Alabama, Dr. Martin Luther King wasn't even known at all. No, really, not at this time. Until not even after. Outside, yeah. Not even outside of Montgomery. It's the boycott right. that really you know, so, catapulted. So they, they played that well, where he was just kind of a he's a preacher in this humble little church. <laughs> Which was what made it so funny was this British guy saying, my my grandmother loves you. And, and they're like, how does yeah. your grandmother even know him? You know, that's yeah, exactly yeah. All right, so um, so let's so let's jump to the beginning, you know, back to the to the uh, the rest of the episode and sort of talk about the artistic and and storytelling merits of it. Um, like I said at the beginning, they were the doctor says uh, in the beginning she was aiming for Sheffield in 2018, but I think what did she say nine or 19 attempts went wrong. Uh, she said nine. Uh, Graham said fourteen. Oh right, that's what it was. Yeah. And but, uh, but even but, before that, though, we have the 1943 opening. Okay, and right. just on an artistic level, watching that, it's like, wow, this is a really dark opening for Doctor Who. Okay, yeah, um, it feels very somber and it feels very emotionally real. Um, one of the, even though the stakes are not as high as what we often have on this show, I mean, no one's shooting at anybody. There are not laser blasts going off. There's not an alien race invading. It's a, it from that perspective. It's a it's 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 much more subdued 
but it also feels much darker and much more mm -hmm. real because it's a real world situation. It's not involving fantasy violence and fantasy scenarios. Right. This is something that really happened. And it's very sombering to watch that. Yeah. Well, and it's I, I think it's, you know, we, we've criticized uh, especially uh, Stephen Moffat's era of Doctor Who. As where every fantasy. time the Doctor came up, came up with some kind of issue, it was the entire universe is going to explode unless I cut this one wire. Well, yeah. they, to be well, to be honest, though, they did kind of do that here because um, Cresco. We'll talk about the the villain in this one, uh, or one of the, one of the villains we could say in this mm -hmm. one. He this he was trying to change the future by manipulating this event. Like so, and because at the end, she's you know the doctor says uh, Rosa Parks changed the universe as they look yeah. out into the vast, you know, and there's an asteroid with her name that's been named after her. And I'm like, ah, oh, we're like, isn't it enough that of what she actually did? Like, do we have to like pump it yeah, up? To there something is a little more? bit of that. Yeah, and, so, and yeah, yeah. Um, I, they didn't having an asteroid named after you is not you changing the universe. That's change. That's someone else changing a name, but what she would, what they could have said, is she helped humanity get over its race issues, and that has continuing ripples out right. into the future. Yeah. That's her real legacy. The asteroid may be a symbol of her legacy, but her real legacy is interracial healing. Right. They, they, just wanted, they just wanted the asteroid special effects again in the episode. <laughs> right. yeah. But by, by well, making this about Cresco wanting to change the future, I think I feel like they, they tried to ramp up the implications for for this and they were kind of falling back into the old ways. Like mm -hmm. we talked about the last couple episodes have been small stakes back mm -hmm. to that idea. And this yep. one, they kind of went for, wanted to go for the big stakes, like the, to really ramp it up and which weren't, wasn't necessary. I don't think. We've, we've also commented on our, and this was another piece of our advice for Chris Chibnall was go more realistic than the yes. fairy tale stuff that mm -hmm. uh, Moffat was doing. And the fairy tale stuff could be fun, but I just got tired of it. As an example, though, I mean, contrast this with the episode from the previous season where uh, the doctor took Bill to the ice fair. Right. Yeah. And Bill immediately brings up, you know, the issue of race and asks about that. And the doctor has this fantasy explanation of, you know, I mean, he's, Jesus was black and the pa past was a lot more black than you thought. And don't worry about it and stuff like that. And even back in the uh, um, the um, Russell T. Davis era, when the 10th Doctor took Martha Jones back mm -hmm. to the 16th century, she raises the am I in danger because I'm black issue. And he says, nah, just walk around like you own the place. And both of those, I guess, are OK ways of getting the plot moving um, so that we can have an adventure here and, and not have to deal with some of the darker aspects of these things. But wow, this episode is way more, you know, really goes there. I mean, yeah. you yeah. know, this is, this is a much more, uh, serious treatment than the kind right. of fantasy treatment we had before. I like well, that. This, the, well, we, we've criticized in the past where they've taken what they perceive as modern views, modern ideas and put them in the mouths of people in the past. Right. You know, so I, I, we definitely can't criticize them for that in this episode. They definitely did not do that here. That's for yeah. sure. Um, so uh, one of the, so, so there's, there was that opening uh, scene. Then we have the doctor and the, the, the her friends arriving. Oh, oh by the way, I <laughs> yes. just on, on the, on the people being creatures of their time thing. I like how they applied that even to Rosa Parks, because when Ryan talks to her and initially just says oh, yes, yeah. and she is it's like, I will accept a yes, ma'am. Right. I don't know uh, how your you know, mama raised you, but I will accept exactly. a yes, ma'am. Exactly. I mean, the, <laughs> growing up in the South, politeness was really stressed yes. to us growing up. I mean, I still call people sir and ma'am all the time, which sometimes causes a little bit of... Um, perplexity on the part of people who were raised elsewhere when I'm right. stirring and mamming them. But it's it this is the way we were raised and yeah. yep. it's politeness and you be polite. And well, so and I was... loved how Rosa Parks, even though she she uh was forward looking in terms of of race, she also insisted on politeness. And in that she was very much a woman of her time. Yeah. Right. 
I've even had that trained into me just with the Air Force. You know, you, you're, you're talking <laughs> somebody superior to you. It's sir, sir, yes, sir. You know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and and I did I did like that about her uh, Rose's uh, dignity uh, in that. Mm-hmm. She had a really sense of dignity. Um, okay. Can I talk about the doctor arriving? <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. All right. So the TARDIS takes them to this time, and this is a uh, something we see uh, quite often: is that the TARDIS takes the Doctor where where she needs to go, as opposed to where she was wanting to go, uh, mm-hmm. because the TARDIS has a bit of its own uh, mind and will, and knows that there's a problem here uh, related to a time traveler in 1955 Montgomery. Uh, so that's an interesting continuation of the of that oh, yeah. idea. Um, uh, and then we also get a revelation that the doctor once gave Elvis a mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be a super phone because no, there were no mobile networks to connect to in 1955. Well, it's just, just like just, just like, like Rose's uh, phone. Roses. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what I said. It's a super phone. Super phone. Right. Uh, which then, of course, it, com- it comes up again later in the episode when she uses uh, her ability to call Elvis to set up this uh, game show, fake game show win trip for this uh, bus driver to go see Frank Sinatra in Vegas with his wife. Um, yeah, so she calls Elvis and gets Frank. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> uh, and so what, what it, the reason it came is because uh, they detected traces of Artron energy in Montgomery. Now, uh, Jimmy, as our resident expert in all things Doctor Who, uh, could you explain again to us Artron yeah. energy, why she would so- have detected it? Artron energy is a fictional form of energy in the Doctor Who universe that is connected with time travel and Time Lord technology and is part of how the Doctor regenerates. When you see all that energy being released by the Doctor whenever there's a regeneration, that's Artron energy. What I found interesting here is she referred to Artron molecules, Mm. which would imply that not only is Artron energy energy, but you can also knit it together as Artron matter. And I think that's the first time I've encountered that idea. Right. Because energy and matter are two different states. If you remember from your physics. Yeah. Unless you're a time Lord, then they can be both at the same time. Then they're wibbly wobbly mattery energy. Quantum (laughs) mechanics is pretty wibbly wobbly to begin with. Well, this is true. (laughs) Um, So the, we have uh we see a, a a speaking of which we we end up seeing a vortex manipulator um and a time a time displacement gun um yeah this, which uh, is a that that was interesting i like that um it's kind of it, it 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 it's essentially the same thing as what weeping angels do to you mm-hmm. but right. now it's you've got the weeping angel effect without the statue part right yeah um it's it, and I'll come back to this time traveling gun because we get it. We we see it a couple of times, um, but I was going to say that. So we have this time traveling greaser, this you know Fonzie yeah. of the future. Uh, we'll call him the future Fonz. Uh, they end up we end up finding out his name is actually Cresco, um, not the uh, cooking thing, but uh, it's apparently spelled some other way, which I've seen like three different ways on online. Um, who is a uh, we found he's a former uh, inmate in Storm Cage prison, which we have seen before. Right. Right. Oh, yes. That's where that's where River Song was was imprisoned. I was supposedly imprisoned, although she kept coming and going as she pleased. She pretty much. Pleased. Yeah, I was I had a, a slight feeling or hint, which I I really felt felt like that. No, it can't possibly be. But since River is technically part Time Lord or whatever Gallifreyan. Could I was a little wondering was this River? Okay, but of course so it isn't. It it's is. not. Yeah. yeah. Um. All they'd established she burned through all of her regenerations. Um. Right. In in uh in becoming River Song and saving the Doctor's life. Also, Chris Chibnall has said no River Song. This season right. is about newness, even though he lets the Doctor historical name drop. Um. And and also River Song is not a horrendous monster racist who's Killed thousands of <laughs> right. people and wants to derail history. Well, once once that came up, I knew it wasn't River Song. However, yeah. I it, you've mentioned before that it, this guy kind of reminds you of the the monk or the time meddler. Um, is it yeah, possible? I mean, he was a he was a comic figure. He he wasn't okay. a um, he wasn't a uh, and he was a he was a time lord. It, to a couple of points of difference. So um, 
if he was a, if, if this guy wouldn't be the meddling monk because um, the meddling monk was a time lord. This guy is portrayed as a human. Yeah. Um, he's uh, as shown by the storm cage and the vortex manipulator wristband and things like that. He doesn't have any time lord technology, which okay. the monk was. The monk had his own TARDIS and so forth. Okay, good. Okay, that that so that settles that question then. Um, so I like I, her. I do, yeah, go ahead. I I do wonder if if um he might be a recurring figure. He may, or if, or if they're yes. going to build him and just throw like, him away like this, like you know, for Tim this one Shaw. episode. Like Tim yeah. Shaw, right? Maybe he's uh, no. Never mind. I won't go there. If <laughs> he's a disguised, uh, uh, which we call it, whatever Tim Shaw's race was, I forget again. Um, I Shinza. do like yes, Asensa. Uh, I do like the Doctor's banter with Cresco. Um, it's not bluster. It's not like uh, no. I'll, you know, how do you take me on? But she is quite firm with him. Yeah. Um, in that, so it, there's there's a nice balance she, there. That is, I thought, that is I thought she con- was getting a little petulant with him. I mean, she's kind of getting a little bit um, uh, high, high and mighty abusive towards him in a kind of Peter Capaldi way. Uh, you mean when she's like, a little when bit she's different. like taking take? Oh, I can even take when she once she realizes I forget what they call it, but the brain implant that yeah. serves oh, as an order yeah. of inhibition. Yeah, the neurological inhibitor. Yeah, yeah, and then she she starts abuse. Oh, I can even take your vortex manipulator and stamp on it, and you right. can't do anything to stop me. And, you know, this is this kind of scene where the doctor's just getting high and mighty is not my favorite kind of scene. OK, OK. I, 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 did, I, don't, I don't see it anywhere near to the level of Peter Capaldi, but um, yeah. I didn't quite see that. Actually, I, I you know, again, this is one of these or you definitely see the difference in this doctor versus, again, especially the 10th and the 11th. At no point does she introduce herself to anybody. Right. At no point do you hear I'm the doctor or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. And you definitely don't get the, I'm the oncoming storm. Daleks fear me in their, <laughs> their nightmares. You know, nothing like that. The oncoming mm-hmm. storm. I'm going to use that someday. I'm going to tell someone I'm the oncoming storm. Uh, By the way, I did, since you commented on banter, I did like some of the, I, I really, really like some of the individual bits of dialogue in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, uh, Ryan got two of my favorite lines where initially where, um, uh, they're they're talking about Rosa Parks, and I think it's Yaz says to Ryan, "You you do know who she was, right?" And he says, "Yeah, first black woman to drive a bus." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's so human, you know, right. to yep. to kind of know but kind of get it wrong. Like um, didn't quite do really that well in school. <laughs> like didn't yeah. quite remember his history uh, lessons. But then yeah. he gets a totally on top of it line when they're in the restaurant. Yeah. And the racist waitress comes up and says, you know, we don't serve Negroes here. And he says, good, because I don't eat them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was it's pretty like, good. Back at you there. Yeah. There were actually one of the things I really liked was they were in the motel room and the doctor starts drawing on the wall. And the and when yeah. Graham says to her, you ain't Banksy. And she says, or am I? Yeah, or am I? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. plays that several times in this episode, like the about whether she or not the doctor is actually Banksy. And I, I, I love that. He, Banksy, for those who don't know, is a, uh, a British uh, street artist who is uh, anonymous and is famous for not just for the street art, but for the prankster way that that he does it yep. in sort of the iconoclastic uh, anti-establishment thing which the latest bit i don't know if you guys have seen this in the i'm sure oh, yeah, that was pretty wild so there was a shredding pe- picture yeah there was an auction of sotheby's of the of one of his paint pictures or paintings that someone had purchased and uh in a frame that banksy himself had built around it it's so fabulous as soon as it was sold for one and a half million pounds or something like that um it, it, he must have been present because he pressed the button actually he was present because uh or she was present because they they posted a video uh, of of him doing this, uh, not the face, of course, just the hand. Uh, he pressed a, a remote control and it started to shred the picture coming out of the frame. Uh, it, it stopped halfway, not by design, by the way. Um, he, oh, he, it jammed up. It jammed up. He said, it, 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 like the, the video says, it worked in rehearsal. Um, but this, the, he built it like two years ago. I mean, this yeah. picture. So, uh, so, so this is Banksy, and it's sort of like you know. I could see the doctor could be a, a Banksy. Uh, in that and, and just for uh, also the art house was speculating afterwards that by shredding or half shredding the picture, 
its value has may actually have increased oh, yes. as a result. Oh, I'm yes. sure it has. The art world is in agreement that it's worth a lot more now. The uh, especially, buyer, well, especially since there is the pic, the video of it. That, yes, you know, will mm-hmm. will accompany this picture to the end of time. You the, know, the buyer did agree to purchase the <laughs> the painting after all. Um, the other bit I liked was uh, when they're confronted by Graham and the doctor confronted by this policeman in the motel room and they're what are you doing in Montgomery oh we're selling a new phone that's a camera yeah. and all these things and what's your Music. name I'm Steve Jobs yeah <laughs> I love that <laughs> that was uh, that was a nice uh, moment I like that uh, bit there um by the way, speaking of Graham, we also yeah. got a nice moment where uh, Grace comes up and yes. he doesn't tear up, but he pauses in a way. He says he wishes she was here and he pauses in a way that indicates he he does have some grief he's dealing with. And right. I've kind of been looking for that and I'm glad they included that. Yeah. We mentioned last time uh, in, the, in our talk, discussion of Ghost Monument that it didn't seem like he was – you know, dealing with his grief uh, so far, but it is nice for them to include that moment. I did like that when he m- mentions that Nan had a shirt, the uh, t-shirt that said "Spirit of Rosa" on it, um, mm-hmm. which yep. makes it makes the fact that Ryan didn't know what Rosa Parks actually did even more <laughs> egregious <laughs> on his part. <laughs> I, I I like that Ryan gets another nice line right after uh, Graham says he wishes Grace were here because Ryan says I don't. She'd start a riot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, there, there was a moment uh, later on where the uh, I know, which this is kind of just one of my pet peeves. The the doctor and friends are on the bus uh, scheming. You know they they've been uh, tr- f- they they know that Kresko is going to try to interrupt the famous moment. He's going to try to disrupt it, and so they're trying to plan it, ahead. And and incidentally, they they don't quite. I don't think they quite fully spell it out. But because he's got the neural implant that prevents yes. him from killing anybody. That's why he's doing this work around. Yep. Let's change history thing because he can't just kill Rosa Parks. Right. He's to derail would, the future. He's got to do something much more complex. <laughs> which because is actually of, a, a, a clever way to handle it. It really is right. a clever way to kind yeah. of handle that story wise of saying, okay, so he, he so why does he just kill her? Off, right. <laughs> yeah. Murders off. Seriously injuring her is off. What? How do we do this? Well, let's tweak the situation just a little bit. Right. Right. And that actually was, yeah, because otherwise it would be like a very short episode. He tries to kill Rose and they stop him. I mean, it would be very straightforward and it would be, yep. wouldn't well, be as they, fun. They could, they could fill it with a lot of running through corridors <laughs> if they need to pad it out the running time. <laughs> yes, exactly. They, they, as we have seen in the past, some, they've done sometimes. Um, but I did like, though. so they're, they're, they're following her. They're trying to figure out her schedule. What are we going to do? And they're all like, they're sitting on the bus kind of scheming. And meanwhile, there are these two guys sitting right behind them. Listening to everything, like you can see yeah. one of the two extras kind of paying attention to the doctor talking and to, and to Graham talking. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what are these guys thinking about these crazy uh, Brits on the bus with them? I just thought that was, uh, had to be very funny. Um, so, the, and then, uh, you know, we have a moment where, like you mentioned, the Ryan meets Martin Luther King. Uh, uh, the other um, fellow, I think um, Abernathy, I think was his name. Who is also a historical figure mm-hmm. and right. Rose's husband, who is who, also a historical figure. Um, so my my wife had a question about Rose's husband's appearance. The actor, he mm-hmm. looked Caucasian. He looked white, but was that I, just I he was relatively light skinned? Yeah, I think Rosa and her husband were just light skinned. This is in fact a common uh, complaint of uh, African American actors in Hollywood yeah. that Hollywood is not interested in casting you. If you're a light black or a yellow black, as the terms are sometimes used, they right. only want dark skinned blacks. And there are different skin tones in the African American right. community. And Hollywood is not as interested in all of them. And I thought that, um, that showing that range here was actually a nice thing because that does yeah. reflect real life. And I, I felt, you know, good for these actors that they're able to, uh, to play this role and represent these parts of the community. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and I, 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 the first time I watched the episode when I watched it yesterday, I, I had kind of the same reaction. Cause I think that when you first see her husband, the lighting is such a way that he does look extremely light skinned yeah. you know, to the point of not, not any kind of African-American skin tone at all. But then you see him in the next scene and yeah. it's 
darker lighting, and I think it shows his skin tone better. Plus, he has um, white hair, which kind of accentuates the, the exactly, yeah. exactly. He almost looked like uh, actually the first scene. He almost looks like Ted Danson in The Good Place. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's why I kind of thought that first reaction. Um. So, uh, w- w- at one point, the doctor says has a uh, a line that kind of stuck out to me. She says, "All right, what what we're doing now is our mission here is we have to keep history in order, not changing it, guarding it." And it really, like, yeah. I mean, is that not uh, sort of a summation of how the doctor deals with history, right? Well, large. I mean, no, the doctor changes it sometimes. She has the two modes of we've got to okay. change this and then we've got to preserve this. But um, the thing that struck me, and I thought this was weak. Uh, I mean, you can excuse it because it's a children's show, but you can, if you can do that, you can excuse anything because it's a children's show. Okay. Um, come on, guys. We're 33 minutes into the broadcast. We're two-thirds of the way through. I saw that this is going to be a let's keep history on course thing <laughs> before the episode even aired. <laughs> okay. And okay. It, it's, this is weak writing if you're just figuring this out now. So stating the obvious. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was another moment where it was a little uh, bit obvious, the writing, where uh, Ryan is playing with the time displacement device and the oh, doctor and explains, explains how it works. It. Yeah. yeah. So that later exactly how it works, but then yeah. says very simple, very deadly. <laughs> yes. Well, but also like, you know, Chekhov's time displacement device, you know, of, yep. as soon as you see the explanation of how it's going to be used, then he tosses it on the bed. Yeah. Uh, well, later on, we know that Ryan is going this, to have to use this. device. And this this is one of my complaints about the writing, because the doctor does not get after him for that. The doctor does not say anything to him about the fact that he zapped Cresco well, back thousands of years, you know, because she, she's willing to criticize over guns it's just it, it doesn't it, it well I'm is it violent because she said i mean it's just a time displacement right i mean is that well, is, is he hurting yeah, us? but he said he cranked it back as far as he could so it, if it could go forward seventy nine thousand years or whatever or it's the 79th century you know from the 21st 20th century we'll track back 59 centuries and see where we're at yeah that's well, not we, exactly we, a nice place to end up yeah, and it hypothetically it could he could end up in any kind of an unsurvivable environment. Um, I mean, if it went back far enough, he could go to a pre-oxygen Earth. Uh, yeah. Um, and even if not, he could end up in the middle of an ice age with no clothing protection and no ability to kill food. Yeah. Or with the dinosaur. Or defend himself. Yeah. Look at T Rex. Um. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, that, that was, yeah. that was just surprised me that they didn't even just have, you know, a, you know, where she grabs it out of his hand and, you know, well, she wasn't something. present when he did it, but yeah. But I mean, after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they destroyed it and didn't leave it laying around in Montgomery in 1955. Uh, yeah. That would, that would be a bad thing. Um, so uh, there was, so we get to the end that, that, that iconic scene, that moment that we've been waiting for uh, where Rosa has to, to get up from the bus and the whole time they've been trying to make sure that the bus is full enough so that when the time comes, the bus driver, Blake has to tell her to get up and she refuses. And in fact, what happens the way that they write the scene is Graham and the doctor have to stay and be the last two uh, white people, uh, you know, in that place. If they had gotten off the bus before, they Rosa wouldn't have had to get up. And so they have to stay there and be sort of part of the cause of her arrest. Um, right. In some ways, it's portrayed as a, a, oh, you've done this horrible thing to her. But in some ways, they actually, I mean, I mean, she's arrested, but she doesn't yeah. have any long lasting ill effect because of the arrest. That she's not mistreated or beaten up or. They um, do say she has a hard life after this, but she's also becomes the pivotal figure. Right. You know, uh, who accomplishes yeah. all this good. I thought this was a morally this is a this is a psychologically morally complex moment. Yeah. And I thought that was good. I also thought a lot of other moments in this were good, too, because um, even though they were very clear that, you know, they're dealing with a bad situation with uh, this, you know, evil racism in this culture, um, they had to work with it and they didn't do a lot of like you know, what other what would have happened in previous eras of the show would you would have had a lot of rather than saying, OK, we're in this bad situation, but we need to work with it. Um, there would have been a lot of virtue signaling and, you know, 
futuristic declarations in right. the face of the racists. And um, the fact that that Ryan did get on the back of the bus is a I mean, that's a human, realistic, tragic, ob morally objectionable and all kinds of I mean, there's just a lot of complexity there. That's good writing. Because mm -hmm. if you were a time traveler and you encounter whatever whatever it is you look like or whatever your gender is or whatever other characteristic you have that people may not like at some point, you're going to have to do things like that if you're going to travel the universe. Uh, the doctor is going to have to do things like that. Um, the doctor has encountered things like that in the past. Uh, where you just you're dealing with people who have an irrational prejudice against you and you've got to just deal with that fact because there's nothing you can do about it at the moment. That gets us into the realm of art rather yeah. than just um, rather than just polemicizing. When you work with that situation, have to deal with it. That's where art starts to happen. And. Um, so I really like that. I also like the complexity with Yaz's situation where they assume she's mm. Mexican right. because they mm -hmm. don't they they have no experience with Pakistanis. And and then it turns out we've got the ambiguity where she gets on the front of the bus and doesn't know where she's allowed to sit at first right. and think and thinks, does color just mean black in 1955? And it turns out it looks like it does because sometimes. she gets to sit in the, sometimes because <laughs> she gets to sit in, in the white section. Right. And having the team split like that, where where Ryan is in has to be in the back, Yaz is allowed in the front, and and the doctor and grammar in the front, and it's like, wow, is that uncomfortable and complex? And right. this is very this is sophisticated in a way that they didn't have to be, and I want to give them credit for that. Yeah, and that, like so, in on that bus on that particular time with that particular bus driver. Yaz was allowed to come through the front door and sit in the front. Maybe on Blake's bus, she might have been made to sit in the back. Certainly the restaurant, they, they didn't like her because she was, quote unquote, Mexican and, and kicked, right. her, kicked her out. And it shows the complexity of just of of what it was like to be a person who didn't quite fit in to the to the categories. And certainly you weren't you know, you weren't white and therefore. Well, what am I and how do I fit into the world? And I think it act it, it very well. I mean, from my point of view, as someone who's not uh, a racial minority to kind of give me an introduction to what it was like for people like that then. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, certainly it's, it can't be complete, of course, but, uh, you know, in a 45 minute uh, TV show. But um, I think it was a, an effective presentation within the, the constraints that they had to, to give. So something occurred to me uh, regarding the vocabulary they use on the show for uh, for Ryan and Yaz um, in describing their races or in Yaz's case, their presumed uh, background. Um, the terms they use are deliberate for the period are deliberately neutral. Yes. Um, the uh, the term colored at the time was neutral. Um, that's why right. it's not meant to be offensive. That's why Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King are early members of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. So that right. was even the preferred term in some circles at the time. Right. When the waitress uses Negro, that's not meant to be offensive as a term. That's that's that was a neutral term. There, there are offensive yeah. terms she could yeah. have used and didn't. Absolutely. And the same thing is true for Yaz when when the waitress refers to her as a Mexican, that's a neutral term as well. There are much worse terms for Mexicans that could have been used in that scene. So yeah. I, I thought that was interesting that the uh, the show went with period neutral terms, um, even if some of them, like Negro, have acquired different nuances in subsequent years. Right. They didn't impose a a modern uh, sensibility on those terms, Negro or colored, mm -hmm. uh, that 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 for the time period. Yeah, I. I don't think they, there's a way anyway they could have used the act the words that probably would have been used not uh, by on at a least show not on, no. yeah not not no no way um uh, I, I did like that the the fact that we had not just Ryan's experience as a as a black man but we had Yaz's experience as a sort of in between like sort of caught in the middle mm -hmm. like 
uh, sort of what you know where does she fit in this and it kind of exposes a little of the, the stupidity of of racism you know just the because you know oh you know she's darker than or he's darker mm-hmm. than her and she's darker than the doctor and it's just it's the kind of this the craziness of of it so i, I did well, i did like that and I mean, having them both kind of, was was good i i think it kind of emphasized too you know racism is you know it's as much about seeing the other person as different than me therefore they must be less right you know right. so yeah and and this so in this case like the having having a, 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 a you know uh, someone of uh, in from British terms you say Asian that's what uh, that how they would refer to someone from say like India Pakistan or any mm-hmm. place from the continent of Asia um Asian someone whose uh origin you know uh, the ancestors are uh from Africa uh you know having someone who's European the companions it kind of it really served the story very well having this group with a doctor I don't think like if if it had been one companion if it had been Clara or or even mm-hmm. Rory and Amy, or even or Martha Bill. Jones or Bill. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would have. This story would have yeah. worked quite the way it did. I, I, I'm glad we had this group with this yeah. doctor, right? And and the fact that, it, that we have multiple characters with multiple different backgrounds adds to the complexity and thus the artistic depth of the episode. I love the fact a couple of times when Graham pointed out that Ryan was his grandson and the yeah. the reactions that that got a couple of times was uh, was great. Uh, uh, one last thing to point out the song that played over the end and the end credits uh, is mm-hmm. a song called Rise Up by a performer. Called, her name is Andra Day. Uh, mm. I, I, I quite like the song, actually. I thought it was a, a nice yeah. song. And uh, um, I'll put a link in the show notes to the YouTube uh, of it. And you can. This lyrics there, even you can read, and uh, I, I quite like that um, nice. song. Um, By the way, an, another song note: early on, when we're in 1955, just as the TARDIS is about to land, we have this moment where we're following like a classic 1950s car down the street, yep. and oh, we yeah. have this doo-wop music playing, yep. and it has this Back to the Future 1955 mm-hmm. nostalgia vibe. Right. Um, which is in the way it plays out in the episode, it's kind of a fake out. Emotionally, right. it's evoking this nostalgia and then they're about to hit you with some hard reality. Um, so but I thought that was an interesting moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of getting hit with hard reality, the the moment when the racist hits Ryan for trying to give the glove back to his wife, mm-hmm. I I found that a little implausible. Uh, because in reality, you know, people would pick up a woman's glove and try to give it back to her. They might not have done it the, exactly the way Ryan did, but I'm kind of, I'm willing to, and I, and I think they tried to set that up to show why the guy would have that reaction, but right. it didn't quite come across to me as fully. This is what would have happened, but I'm, I'm, I can, I can accept this one because they need to demonstrate the reality and the brutality of racism. Yeah. And this is their way of doing that for our main cast. They, our main cast needs a sharp, uh, a short, sharp shock to quote Gilbert and Sullivan uh, to alert them to the kind of situation they're in. And this is their way of doing that, even right. though I thought they could have set it up a little better. Yep. Yep. Cause he grabbed her and the guy reacted with anger. And then Rosa mm-hmm. says tensions are high because of the Emmett Till case that just happened. Right. So yeah, yeah. but you're right. It didn't, it does come across as a little abrupt, but yeah, uh, I see what you're saying. Uh, can I move on to some uh, feedback, or is there any more notes on this? Episode? I just uh, one, one thing I want to point out is they they made a mistake uh, when they talk about Rosa Parks receiving the medal from President Clinton. Yes, she did not receive the Congressional Medal of Honor. That is only for military people. That is the highest honor for someone in the military. What she received is the Presidential Medal of, medal freedom, of freedom from right. him. Yes. So it's it's a minor it, it, it's not a minor thing actually I mean because these are the the two highest awards that someone can receive in the United States. Yes, but it's it, important. I thought it was important to, yeah. pointing that out. Yeah, that is an important distinction. Yeah. <clears throat> only only other thing I wanted to point out is they avoided, and this is to their credit, they avoided a a trap they could have fallen into with this episode. Um, if you're going to somebody who's made a big historical achievement like Rosa Parks or Shakespeare or whoever, um, 
you with a show like this, you run the risk of accidentally cheapening their achievement. Because if it turns out like if it's if you go back and oh, um, the doctor gave Shakespeare all of the ideas for the plays he ever wrote. Yeah. Gee, well, we haven't seen okay. that, have we? <laughs> yeah. Well, then you're cheapening Shakespeare's actual accomplishment. Right. And it would have been a flaw in the writing. It, uh, I would and I would have been offended if they had done it to where like the TARDIS crew goes back and they are the ones who cause Rosa Parks to have the idea of yes. of doing right. this. Exactly. And right. and it's it, that's going to cheapen Rosa Parks's real achievement. And they didn't do that. And so the only alternative to that, if you're going to have interaction on of a dramatic nature with a historical character is rather than giving the person the idea or or whatever is you're just trying to keep history on course something else is from out of time is trying to interfere with that right and and so they went with the logical way that would allow them to interact with Rosa Parks without inadvertently um cheapening what she did because all they're doing is neutralizing an outside threat and letting her go ahead and do what she did on her own. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, any, any other notes? Okay. So uh, just a little bit of feedback here from we should, we got quite a bit of feedback from uh, some episodes uh, going back, but let me just see if I can I'll go through some of it here uh, on our last episode, uh, ghost monument, uh, Rick Angelini uh, writes in, he says uh, he, he would did not like that episode. Uh, and didn't even watch the last 20 minutes, he said. he said One of his criticisms was there was way too much use of the sonic screwdriver and that it became a crutch. Um, interesting. I mean, you might say that about... That's been, a criticism, that's been a criticism for a while. I mean, this, that's... Yeah. The, the producers of the show have gone back and forth on this. <clears throat> um, there was a time back in the uh, Tom Baker era and again in the Peter Davison era where the producers thought it was becoming a crutch and they wanted the doctor to have to solve problems without the sonic screwdriver. Um, and in Peter Davison's era, they even destroyed it and he didn't have it for a long time. <laughs> the the kind of contrary view is, and this really characterizes the modern show, is um, that if you've only got 45 minutes to tell a story, you need the plot to move along briskly, and this is a way of enabling that to happen. Um, and given that we have multifunction devices right now in the form of our phones and yep. and even our watches, yeah. you know, are beginning to do this, where you can detect multiple different... I mean, there are even apps you can put on your phone to make it a radiation detector. Mm -hmm. um and yeah. mm -hmm. and so given that we have multifunction devices right now i don't think it's unreasonable personally to accept the sonic screwdriver as a kind of time lord iphone that uh that that moves the plot along okay but that's just me okay um a next bit of feedback is from uh, our friend amy flowers on facebook uh commenting on our discussion of the tomb of the cybermen and uh, she says, uh, um, one scene that really stood out to me that I wanted to mention was the conversation about grief between Victoria and the doctor. It was yeah. sweet and gentle and showcased the doctor's compassion to help with the fresh pain Victoria was going through. Uh, I've only watched a little of the second doctor, but I'm getting the feeling he's going to be a favorite. Uh, uh, and as yeah. I well, yeah, that was very well done. Yeah. So Victoria, for people who may not remember that, um, and I don't know if we even talked about it in when we reviewed the episode, Victoria's father was a 19th century British guy, kind of scientist who got involved in the Daleks and got over his head. He was like working on time travel research and he had a tragic ending, which then led to Victoria traveling with the doctor. And so she's missing her family in that scene. And asks him about his family, and and he says, "Well, they live in they live in my mind, and I can think about them and remember them and stuff like that." It's a really nice scene, and I totally agree. Patrick Troughton is my favorite doctor. Uh, then on our uh, Peter Capaldi retrospective episode ninety, um, Rob Cox says uh, uh, he watched the last two episodes of the final season of the Peter Capaldi's final season, not not including the Christmas special. And he said, I found I really enjoyed him as a doctor after they got away from his first season crankiness. One thing I noticed about his character development 
the episode last Christmas, which was uh, the previous uh, Christmas episode, I think it was. No, last no, Christmas was the title of one of the, it was the one with uh, Nick Frost as Santa yes. Claus. So that was like two um, yeah. Christmas episodes ago. Twice Upon a Time was the more recent one. So 2015, because the return of Dr. Mysterio was 2016. Oh, right. So 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. So the in the episode, it showed his change from cranky old man to more doctor-like. When he took the reins of Santa's sleigh, you saw a marked change in his attitude. Um, and then Rob was saying, I just hope they don't mess up with the new doctor, which I don't think they have. I think nope. they've, they've kept her enjoyable. Um, in uh, Smith and Jones, episode number 89, uh, our friend Bennett Gillespie, who's become our expert in all things uh, British culture <laughs> and British society. Uh, he has a native advantage. He does. He does. He says, uh, the, enjoying uh, the episode, but the, the, the Mr. and Doctor thing. We were talking about um, the, the, the surgeon. They called him Mr., not Doctor, and we were talking about mm-hmm. why that is. Yeah. He says it, it goes back to the Middle Ages where a surgeon was just a tradesman, like a carpenter, but a mm. doctor was much more educated. So Mr. indicates he's both a consultant, but his specialty is surgical of some kind. Just, uh, hmm. Interesting. And uh, I think um, we have some others, uh, other feedbacks, a little longer, so I, I don't want to take up uh, too much of our time with this. We'll maybe come back to it uh, in a future yeah. episode. And, Absolutely. Uh, we really do appreciate all your feedback. Um, even if we don't get a chance to, uh, to read it on air or to play it, um, we, we, do, we do appreciate you sending it to us. So that's it from us. Uh, tell us what you think of uh, this episode, Rosa. Um, I didn't even get to mention the fact that uh, Rosa is a very similar name to Rose, which was the first episode of the reboot of Doctor Who. So, yeah. uh, we mentioned we, that last time. Okay. All right. So, the, so I'm just uh, remembering what's something that one of you said. So that's good. <laughs> so what did you think of uh of rosa and uh, let us know by visiting sqpn.com or the secrets of doctor who facebook page find the show uh, uh post there and leave us some feedback or send us an email to doctor who at sqpn.com you can find links to uh, all of our personal social media and websites on our show notes on sqpn.com as well as relevant links for this episode we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing arachnids in the uk oh boy spiders my favorite (laughs) (laughs) why did it have to be spiders until then father Corey stika thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of doctor who glad to be here and thanks dom and jimmy aiken thank you as well thanks dom and once again i'm dom bettinelli thank you for listening to the secrets of doctor who on star quest and remember you may do that right this is gonna be fun